Hello, hello. Welcome back to the 40 Guard Threat Intelligence Podcast. I'm so happy to announce that my good friend Omar is back for this episode after his PTO last time. Omar, how are you today? Jonas, it's good to be back and I'm living the dream, man. Living the dream, buddy. Man, I do have to talk to our manager though, because uh, you planned your PTO and usually these attacks I have seen in the past are happening during extended weekends. But I do have a little bit of an assumption that hackers plan around your PTO instead. Uh, this time we had the vCenter vulnerabilities, NetFilter, Print Nightmare, and now Kaseya just uh, last weekend. Uh, it's suspicious, my friend. All in one week, you know, uh, you know, attackers have definitely figured it out, right? They understand, like, especially when people uh, in the West are taking holidays and they're planning those attacks. And Jonas, I have to tell you, just, you know, I follow darknet forums and hacker forums all the time. These attackers are planning months in advance. So we're already, I'm already starting to see like some uh, sort of talk about planning an attack around Christmas. Who knows if it's really going to happen or not? I mean, it's, it could be just talk as, as a lot of times it always is, but the attack know this so so maybe as cyber defenders we need to like look at the other side and see when the big holidays are in like russia or north korea and maybe do a counterattack. i'm just joking so, but I, would ne I never recommend hacking back but i'm yeah uh, you know you you get what i'm saying so, so you're pretty much saying we only need to work on extended weekends from now on do i get this exactly. correct? Take every other day off and we'll just uh flip the spread so, so it sounds like a good plan to me. Let's uh, let's try to convince some people. But uh, but joking aside, Fourth um, of July, uh, Kaseya, can you give me a small uh, summary of what happened here? Well, you know what happened is I had a great barbecue. You know, had some hot dogs, hamburgers. But I'm sure you're asking me what happened, like with, on the cyber side <laughs> of things. So uh, you know, for those of that don't know, Kaseya is a uh, basically a software vendor. They make uh, management utilities and software products for MSPs managed service providers. So managed service providers are basically companies. And what they do is exactly how it sounds like is they manage IT infrastructure for a lot smaller companies. Most of the time, these companies don't have like a, in a, you know, they're not big enough to have a dedicated IT staff. It could be a one to three person dentist office. It could be like a group of grocery stores that, you know, their business, they want to stay focused on, uh, you know, providing their core business and really outsource their IT. So it's not always size because some uh, some MSPs do provide services to very, very large companies, but they're providing and offsourcing the IT infrastructure and IT services for these companies. So we kind of had a three pong, pong attack, right? We had Kaseya, the software manufacturer that got attacked. Um, their, their attacks affected their customers, the MSSPs, and their customers, which are the smaller customers or the third tier customers, are, got attacked as well. And once again, I said smaller again, but uh, you know, as I said before, uh, size, size can vary because some of these uh, customers for MSPs can be very, very large. Yeah, indeed. It's definitely some of the smaller ones got affected, but we also saw some grocery stores, uh, like in Sweden, for example, um, 800 different stores were closed and um, they didn't have any possibilities for doing payments. We have seen schools in New Zealand being out of operation due to the ransomware attacks. And it, it really shows the impact was, was huge. And some people in the industry are talking about the biggest ransomware attack ever. Some people argue wanna cry bigger, but it doesn't really matter in my opinion, uh, what's the raw number behind it. It just shows the impact that the strategies these days, the numbers are getting bigger. When we talk about the payment, I, I know you were deep into the, the crypto business. Um, 
I heard uh, 70 millions first, 50 millions then uh, later, um, but they wanted everything in Monero. So what's your idea about that? Yeah, so just, uh, you know, just to give some background is what first the payment method was is it was 45,000 US per incident. And uh, that's that's what we kind of saw. It could be, once again, they, they had the ability to customize payments per attack. So it could have definitely been differently. But uh, what we also noticed is if they found a machine that was connected to an Active Directory infrastructure or if Active Directory was there, I think it was something like $4 million. So, uh, so 45,000 per machine or, or $4 million for a master key for that organization. Uh, and then they offered for 70 million, uh, you know, a master master key that would basically decrypt everyone. And, uh, and you know, uh, they, so, so our evil, uh, the, who are attributing the attack to, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, they're actually a very sophisticated group. They have their own portals, their own payment systems. So you can chat with them. So a couple of researchers went and chatted with them and said, hey, would you accept 50 million? And they're like, yeah, sure, we would accept 50 million. Then I, then I think someone else like actually offered a little less. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll accept that too. And then they got tired of all these like, uh, you know, researchers asking like how, how much they would accept or how little they would affect. So they kind of banned uh, some researchers. But I do think they would go a lot lower. I think they really want to get, you know, I, I honestly think they probably bit off a little more than they can chew. So they probably want to get in and out and get their money as fast as possible. And they are asking for Monero. And Monero is a privacy enabled blockchain. Unlike Bitcoins, you cannot like actually look at Monero. You can't uh, you know, follow the blockchain. Uh, you can't uh, attribute uh, addresses to it. So Monero is much, much harder to trace than uh, Bitcoins. But the problem is, you can't get fifty million dollars in Monero. You can't get seventy million dollars in Monero. It's impossible. Like, like there's a there's just not enough circulation. I mean, it's very. I mean, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's very, very difficult. So, uh, so they did started accepting at least saying they're accepting bitcoins. There is a surcharge on bitcoins because they're probably going to uh, do what we call Bitcoin tumbling or Bitcoin mixing, which means they're essentially changing their bitcoins for either freshly minted bitcoins or usually another currency like Monero as well. And and uh, some Tumblr or some exchange is going to charge them fees for that. So that's probably why they're doing that with that, uh, with that uh, premium added on to that. I do find the, the strategy from them interesting, though, when they're saying, OK, individuals, you can pay a certain amount for a, a certain device. Or if someone comes up to us and, uh, and pretty much purchases the whole uh, master key to encrypt all the data from all the victims, um, we are open for discussions as well. And it obviously puts some pressure on certain entities. I heard talks that people were thinking about why not um, some corporations get together, maybe some of the insurance companies. And um, it, it just shows that they're very flexible. Um, they do whatever they can to, to get the money. And as you mentioned, the tool set um, is there. They have negotiation channels on their on their platform that ransomware as a service capabilities with capabilities which they provide are just growing and man it's so much money and i'm a, I'm a little bit afraid that if if the more people pay the more money they have to found to fund additional attacks in the future if we just think about it it's pretty much all the money they get it's um it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of money for them to to buy new zero days to um to invest into different kind of attacks and Funding these cybercrime groups is um, might be a big problem for for upcoming events. Yeah, you know, it's uh, 
funny, like uh, we, I'm, I'm sure we're not too far off from looking at well-funded IT corporations. Uh, threat actors are going to be part of that. So, uh, so absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned a good thing. I know we've talked about it before offline is like, you know, if they're asking for $70 million, well, that's a lot, but $50 million at one point, I mean, someone has to be considering like, hey, should we just go ahead and pay this and get the master key? I mean, think about it. If you're a, a cyber insurance company and you know you're going to have, you know, a couple of a dozen to a couple of hundred customers, you know, making claims, maybe it's easier for you as a cyber insurance company or multiple cyber insurance companies getting together and paying that claim. Casilla uh, themselves, I mean, there's been, there's been some talk uh, about that is like, hey, should they pay for the master key? Um, some, uh, some arguments. Now, first of all, let me I, I've always made my, my viewpoints very clear in the past is I do not believe in paying in ransom. Um, you know, for some of the reasons that you mentioned, you're funding more criminal activity and you don't know what you're funding and you don't know the, the people that are really behind this and what their true intent is. So I would I would never, ever recommend paying, even though it will be very, very painful. And uh, and I, and I, like I said, I've heard it from both sides. I actually had a uh, had a uh, CISO this uh, this morning that asked me. He's like, "Hey, you know, I could pay five million dollars in ransom in a ransomware were attack, or I could shut down my production line that will cost me ten million a week and probably force me to like let go of my employees and their livelihood is on the line. So what should I do? You're telling me not to pay, but I don't see any other way." And and I and I understand that too. I definitely appreciate and understand that. And it's a it's a tough answer. Yeah, it's definitely not something which uh, which can be um, where we can make a decision on a, on a generic statement. But uh, you did you did mention the threat actor uh, or evil or also called Sodino Kibi, um, which a lot of people like to call them out. And I think it's it's interesting to deep dive a little bit further uh, because we have seen them active since at least three years, 2018. Uh, we have seen collaborations with Gantt Crab back then. But also just recently, the tax, they are growing. So the amount of money they make, um, it gets bigger and bigger. We have seen uh, JBS, uh, 11 million. We've seen healthcare industries, uh, $5 million ransomware attacks. And also their techniques are evolving. I remember back in the days, their ransomwares were mostly deployed through malvertising and exploit kits, drive-by downloads. Um, but yeah, these days, they have more money available. They have more specific attacks. And we see these targeted attacks against uh, Kaseya here is a, is a really good example of what you can do if you spend a lot of resources, um, like time, like skills, like money, uh, into these attacks. And the re return of investment then is much bigger than it has been in the past. Yeah, no, so uh, so Jonas, I see you bring a good point, and I don't have any official stats, but I can tell you just from my own personal honeypots that I run, when I take a lot of different threat actors, and I take, uh, especially if I'm going to group Grand Crab into our evil, I can tell you the majority of attacks that I do see seem to be originating from this group. So that, you know, you know, once again, there's like more research that needs to be done, but they're, you know, you know, at the end of the day, even if that's not the majority of the attacks, they, they're definitely making a dent, uh, you know, in, in that, uh, in that supply chain and uh, and market share for attacks so they're they're definitely you know someone to be on the lookout for and, and i think that because of that 
Uh, they're going to like, uh, you know, gain a little bit of attention, maybe the wrong type of attention. We know, uh, you, you know, we, we know in the United States, uh, President Biden has, you know, definitely is looking more into ransomware. Uh, there's actually uh, going to be talks coming up in this summer with uh, the United States and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, the Russia around uh, ransomware and cyber attacks as well. Uh, it gives opportunity for uh, politicians to look very good on the world stage as well if they can, uh, you know, stop this. Uh, it doesn't really matter on, on the, uh, you know, what side you're on or what politics you're on. So, so I think uh, one of the dangers, uh, uh, you know, our evil has is they, they might have become a little too visible, kind of like something like, uh, you know, dark side did with a, with, a, with a colonial pipeline attack. Yeah, possibly that uh, they tried to stay a little bit more under the radar. But when we look about their, their attacks in the past, I mean, they have been following similar patterns all the time. For initial access, it was more often than not, they were using RDP services, uh, maybe compromised credentials. They were using phishing attacks with, uh, with payloads in their uh, XLS, so um, Office files with macro enabled, but also vulnerabilities like the Microsoft Exchange ones. And then uh, different techniques for gathering data persistence, lateral movement. Some of them are living off the land, as we call it. So whatever is already installed in the victim's environment, like uh, Netstat, Procdump, but um, also deploying additional malware, which can help them to gather more credentials like Mimikatz, Bloodhound, Cobalt uh, Stride for lateral movement. So we really see a mix of, of, of a different kind of techniques and it, it shows the skill set. These are not just some uh, script kiddies who, who found something on the internet. They use what they have available for whatever goal they want to achieve and they use it in a really efficient way. I think I read something that they spend usually between seven and 20 days in a victim's environment under the radar before um, striking with the, with the ransomware. So they gather a lot of information very quickly in a couple of days, and then they go after their mission, after their objectives, encrypting the data, exfiltrating it to different kinds of platforms to, double, to do the double extortion, uh, not only getting the money from the encryption, but also selling it on the dark net, maybe even blackmailing their, their the victims itself with, with the data that they go after their customers. And then last but not least, they clean up very well. We see them clearing the logs, delete the shadow copies, delete the backups, make it as difficult as possible for, for these uh, enterprises to, to go after them. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, first of all, uh, I like what you said is that they're, you, you know, they're, they're in the environment and normally, normally the last thing they do is uh, you know execute that ransomware? Uh, when I when I talk to a lot of uh, you know uh, victims and they tell me, hey, you know, we got hit by ransomware. I, I usually have to tell them you probably got hit by a lot more, and your data is probably gone because the last step they've done is you know hit you with ransomware, or executed that attack. Uh, you know, before that, they pretty much stolen your data or at least gotten you know probably uh, some more valuable data. So that's that's always on the lookout. Yeah, you know, sometimes you never know who the victims are going to be because our evil did say you mentioned uh, you know some schools in New Zealand got taken down. They actually didn't mention that that was an accident that they did not intend to take take down the schools and uh, then. Of of course, like someone asked them, uh, uh, you know, you know, well, the grocery stores in Sweden, uh, you know, you know, they're like, oh no, we meant for that. So I, I guess, like, you know, you know, going to school is okay, but eating perhaps is not, or something. But uh, you know, they're they're definitely going after the money and looking at, you know, who's more motivated to pay. And you know, it does make sense on, uh, you know, victims that do have cash flows and revenues coming out.
I, I do wonder though, I, I read the, the same statement that schools were an accident, but why not at least give them uh, the encryption key? Because they are in the position of power that they pretty much can decide who gets the encryption key or not. So if it really was an accident, why don't hand them over the uh, encryption key so they can, um, yeah, they come back to, to, to work. But yeah, it's, yeah uh, I, will, I will mention that because I think, you know, you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's easy for us to forget how hypocritical in nature they are. They're, they're not the good guys. They're not like, even though they're saying schools weren't the target, they don't care. This is, uh, it's, 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 it's honestly, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, let, let, me, let me make sure my, my language stays appropriate here, but it, it's honestly a fairy tale. And, uh, you know, when they, when they say they're looking out for, uh, you, know, you know, like certain uh, entities or uh, businesses or schools, they don't care. And at the end of the day, they still want their money. They're like, you know what, like we attack more people than we intended to, maybe there's a possibility of getting more money. Maybe we'll negotiate with them a little more, lower the price, but we'll get more money. They're, they're, they actually don't have any good intentions. And just even having the possibility of perhaps uh, attacking an unintended target, you know, you know, kind of in my book, uh, you, you know, kind of like lowers your kind of ethical stand that you can, you can take. Definitely. And I think it's also important to keep in mind, we are doing this podcast in the middle of the investigations. It hasn't even been a week so far, so I'm sure there will be a lot more information available in the next couple of days. And um, I'm definitely in, in future episodes, we can talk a little bit more about the lessons learned, uh, what else showed up um, after more days. Um, maybe think a little bit more about the core problems itself. Um, but I think we have a lot of topics for our future episodes. And um, for today, uh, we definitely covered uh, a lot of interesting topics here. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always fun uh, talking about cyber and, and the world we live in uh, with you, my friend. I'm happy to have you back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here and looking forward for the next one. Thanks so much for, for being here, Mar. I, I just have one more question. Um, where do all these, um, these uh, cyber criminal groups um, go to? I really can't uh, see them. Yeah, so uh, you, you know, we we do have a lot of cyber criminals uh, and cyber threat actors that that just kind of disappear. I, I mentioned dark side going dark. Uh, I don't know, Jonas. I uh, I think if I was going to guess, uh, they probably ran somewhere. <laughs> With that being said, guys, uh, <laughs> thanks so much for for joining in, and uh, we hear you next time. Definitely better ended on that note. <laughs>